Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues with part two of his teaching on the book of Ephesians. Here we go. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Well, some of y'all have been watching basketball and you've been hooting and hollering over your favorite team. Can you do it for Jesus? What a strange inconsistency there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about the book of Ephesians part two. We're going to continue our fantastic voyage through the book of Ephesians. Anybody remember this film from 1966, Fantastic Voyage, where the Proteus was the name of the submarine. They shrank it down microscopic with a crew on board. They injected it into this guy's bloodstream, and their mission was to go find the brain tumor and destroy it because this guy had some national secret that, uh, that they had to get to save the world. It was a really cool movie, but... The parallels are this. They got to see what the human being looks like on the inside. The book of Ephesians will give you a peek at who you are on the inside in Christ. Amen. And that's what the book is all about. That's why I call it the fantastic voyage through the book of Ephesians. Now, some of you may remember that we taught this particular lesson, which I'm going to call the prayers of Paul in June of 2018, uh, but we separated it out as an individual teaching. Now you're getting to hear it in sequence the way I taught it when I taught it as a Bible school course at Word of Life School of Ministry in Shreveport, Louisiana. Amen. But I can assure you, if you've heard it before, it's worth hearing again because there are always opportunities in your daily life to apply the prayers of Paul. Amen. So with that in mind, while Paul was writing the letter to the Ephesians, which he wrote from prison, I believe Paul became overwhelmed with the revelation that he had personally received from the Lord Jesus And on two occasions while writing this letter, he slipped into intercession. It bled over into praying for the people he was writing to. It's really cool. The first occasion is found in chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And the second is found in chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. And what is striking about these prayers is that Paul doesn't pray that the Ephesian believers receive anything except revelation instead of praying for them to receive blessings and benefits he prays that they would be filled with revelation concerning what they already had what already belonged to them as born-again believers in jesus christ so paul he sets the tone of the entire letter in ephesians 1 verse 3 when he says we've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ jesus amen And then he begins to enumerate those blessings that we already have. And then he slips into prayer and he prays that we would get the revelation of what we already have. Because even though this letter was written to the Ephesians, you know that it was written to all Christians. Amen. 
It applies to us in this day and age as well. Remember, it was the Holy Ghost praying through the Apostle Paul when he wrote these prayers, when he wrote these letters. And if the Holy Ghost wanted them to receive these powerful revelations, how much more does he want us to receive these powerful revelations about who we are in Christ, what belongs to us in Christ? Amen. It's very, very important. One more thing before we begin, I want to make it clear that the prayers of Paul, as I'm going to teach him today, are prayers that are used for people who are already believers. There's another way to pray for the lost. You find that in the ninth chapter of Matthew, the very last verse where he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest field. So if you've got somebody that needs to get saved, the way to pray for them is, Lord, send a laborer or laborers across their path that will share Jesus with them in a way that they'll understand in a way that they will receive. Amen? But if you want to pray for somebody who's already born again, spirit-filled, the prayers of Paul are what you need. Amen? Glory to God. The prayers of Paul, as I said, begin in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, and go through verse 23, and then there's some more in chapter 3, which we'll get to here directly. Verse 15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Let me read that again. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Notice that Paul did not begin to pray for the saints at Ephesus until he had heard of their faith and love. This is exactly opposite of the way most of us pray. We pray for people until we see evidence of their faith and love, until we see a change in their life, and then we stop praying for them. We need to continue to pray for our fellow saints, even when they're doing great, even when they're living for God with all of their heart. Amen? Because you never know what they may be going through, what they may be facing, or when they may come under attack. Amen? Remember, if you're living for God... And you come under attack, it's more probable that you're doing something right than doing something wrong. Amen? Paul did not cease to give thanks for them in his prayers, even when they were full of faith and love. He kept praying for them anyway. Amen? Also notice that thanksgiving should be a vital part of our prayer life. We should be continually thanking him for our fellow saints and especially for our spiritual leaders. Amen. You can read about that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, that word means bring forth unto you, that means all of you, spirit, soul, and body, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is a loaded scripture, if ever there was one. I'm going to read it again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There is no better way to pray for your fellow saints 
than to pray for wisdom and revelation. Amen? Paul prays that God would stir up the wisdom and revelation that was already in them, in their spirits as born-again believers. Amen? That's why the word spirit here starts with a lowercase s. It's talking about the human spirit. Amen? His prayer was that the wisdom and revelation that was in their human spirit would rise up to the surface and enter their mind, their will, and their emotions in the knowledge of him. Amen. Listen, already on the inside of you, whether you realize it or not, you have the eternal wisdom of God because he lives in you. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says that the same God, the same righteous and holy God that we exalt, that we lift up, he lives on the inside of you. You got born again, and the man on the inside of you, the Bible says, was created in righteousness and true holiness, just like God. I know it's hard to get your arms around that because you know you, and and I know me, and I know all my faults, but I have to believe the word above my faults. I have to judge myself after the spirit and not after the flesh. It's not always easy to do, amen? By the way, if you're in the habit of not judging yourself according to the flesh, maybe you should turn that around and not judge other people according to the flesh. Judge them according to the gift of God in them. Judge them according to the fact that they have a righteous and holy spirit living on the inside of them. Amen. Glory to God. Somebody needed to hear that besides me. Hallelujah. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Hallelujah. In the King James translation, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened is a little misleading. The literal Greek there should read the eyes of your heart being enlightened. And this is important because it shows us that true illumination or true revelation occurs in the heart. Now, I teach it this way, that the that the spirit and the soul of man together make up the heart. And I believe that true revelation comes when your soul catches up to what your spirit knows already. You have an aha moment. And you see it in your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. Grasp hold of the word of God. And it's like the spirit says, see, I've been telling you all along. Now you finally got it. Amen. So true revelation occurs is when your soul catches up with your spirit and the two are united and your heart is enlightened. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right. The hope of his calling here is a reference to our future physical redemption or the receiving of our new bodies. And you know how fond I am of talking about that. Amen. I can't wait to receive my new showroom model. Hallelujah. Perfect. Indestructible. Incorruptible. Immortal. I'm going to be like a superhero. Hallelujah. In Christ. Amen. Glory to God. The riches of our inheritance 
refers to all the wonderful things that belong to us in Christ Jesus, and that includes the things we'll receive in this life as well as the things that we'll receive in the next life. Then verse 19 through 23, explain how the power of God made all of these things possible through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. For a little perspective on these verses, uh, let's look at some other occasions where God used his power to accomplish certain things in the universe. Amen. Psalm Chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. This is David speaking. He's contemplating his smallness in comparison to the vastness of the universe. He says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Praise God. Hallelujah. So the thing I want you to see, though, in this passage is this. When he created the universe, he used his fingers. The work of thy fingers, David says. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10 says this. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. So when he created the earth and the atmosphere around the earth, he used his hands. Amen. Glory to God. Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now you read that chapter. It is best known as the redemptive chapter of Isaiah. And in that chapter, Isaiah details how Jesus would die for us to purchase our redemption. And when God raised him from the dead, he used his arm. Hallelujah. The arm in Scripture is always a symbol of power. So think about it like this as a progression. God used his fingers to create the universe. He used his hands to create the earth and the atmosphere. But he had to use his arm to raise Jesus from the dead. So the greatest display of God's power in the history of the universe occurred when God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. So it's no lightweight thing. It's even more stupendous and more powerful than what he used when he created time, space, and matter. When he created the universe. He had to use more power than that to raise Christ from the dead. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. And thank God he did. Hallelujah. Where would we be without Jesus? Verse 21, and he has placed Jesus far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, the word translated here is the Greek word. The word translated here as power is the Greek word exousia. It means authority. So we should reread it like this. Far above all principality, 
and authority and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, we find this same Greek word in two other very interesting places talking about authority. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that's that same word, it means authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And you read the rest of that. He turns around. He says, Now you take that power. You take that authority. And in my name, you preach the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke 10, verse 19. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power. Again, that's exousia. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. You know, that's a type of demonic entities. And over all the power, that's the word dunamis. It means explosive power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Struggling with fear in your life? Why don't you take this scripture and say it over yourself? Behold, Jesus has given unto me authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, demons, and principalities, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Amen. Just a couple of nights ago, I woke up battling with fear, and that's the scripture that I latched on to, and I said it over myself until I got a peace in my spirit, and I went right back to sleep. Don't let the devil torment you in the night. Answer him with the word of God. Listen, if you got a spouse and you don't want to wake them up, get up and go into another room and declare the word of the Lord over yourself. Don't let the devil pester you because he thinks you won't want to wake your wife or your husband or your kids. Find a place where you can whisper it loudly if need be. He has given me all authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing is ever going to harm me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Somebody out there needed to hear that. And I won't charge you anything extra for that. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes. That was meant to be a joke. We have one person enthusiastically laughing. Everybody else kind of grinning like, was he serious when he said that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So spiritual power comes from God. You know, we don't have any power inherent in ourselves that is in our flesh. But in him, we have power and we have the authority to use that power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 22 says, and hath put all things under his feet talking about Jesus, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So you see, Jesus is the head, but we are the body. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body. And if Jesus has been placed far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that is named, so have we. Amen. Because we are his body. Hallelujah. If all things have been put under his feet, then they've been put under our feet. Over there in Luke chapter 10, you know, they came back. The 70 came back after they'd gone out two by two and cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, cast out devils. They said to Jesus, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. And he said, hey, that's cool. 
but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the real issue. Amen. But it is cool that Jesus himself said that Satan's kingdom is under our feet and subject unto us. They have to obey because if they don't, they know they'll have to answer to Jesus. Amen. It's not that we have the power, but there's power in that name. Hallelujah. And they respect somebody who knows their identity and knows how to use the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't be afraid to use the name of Jesus. Let me tell you a real quick testimony. When I was growing up here in Mount Airy, North Carolina, I was a member of a little group called the Coffee House. That's where I got saved. That's where I got filled with the Spirit. Heard a testimony about one of the other youth groups that our youth pastor was friends with. And there was a young lady there. She was about 16 years old. And she and her friends used to play with Ouija boards and have a seance every Saturday night. They'd ask it all kind of questions and it would always answer all their questions. Well, this young lady got born again, filled with the spirit. And because she was just two or three days old in the Lord, she went back to the seance because that's what she did every Saturday night with her friends. And she was there with her friends and they could not get the Ouija board to work. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't answer any questions. It wouldn't respond to any of their inputs. And then on the inside, this young lady declared she started feeling weird about being there. Wasn't sure why, but just felt like she wasn't supposed to be there. So she said, I'm sorry, I don't understand this, but I just kind of, I don't have a piece about being here. I'm just going to leave. And they were like, what? What's going on? So the girl leaves. Well, what happens later on? The the friends tell her, you'll never guess what happened after you left. The Ouija board started working again. And we started asking it questions. And the first question we asked was, when Susie was here, how come you didn't work then? And the Ouija board spelled this out. Because with Susie, there is God. Even the presence of a three-day-old babe in Christ was enough to silence and stop the enemy's activity. Isn't that awesome? Imagine how much power you wield when you know who you are in Christ and you know how to use the name of Jesus. There is nothing that can stand before you. Just like God told Joshua, every place you put the sole of your foot, I have given unto you and none will be able to stand against you. Glory to God. That's our heritage as believers of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Got myself all excited. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, let's let's put it into warp factor two here. And continue with the prayers of Paul, Ephesians 3, verse 13 through 21. Okay, so I'm going to tell you ahead of time that since we're covering these these verses in chapter 3 ahead of time, when we get to chapter 3, we're going to skip verse 13 through 21 and go straight to chapter 4. Okay, so I just want to let you know that to let you know that we are going to be covering every verse in every chapter in Ephesians. Amen. Glory to God. So let's pick it up at chapter 3, verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul exhorts the saints at Ephesus not to focus on his natural circumstances. He was in prison in Rome. He didn't want them distracted by that. Amen. We can miss the glory of God 
if we focus on circumstances and not on his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 14 says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named. Notice that the family in heaven and the family on earth are both named after God the Father. While we live on the earth, we're in the church. But we're also in the family of God. If we die, we're no longer in the church, but we remain in the family of God. He has family in heaven. He has family on earth. And when the rapture occurs, we talked about this last week, when the rapture occurs, God will bring the two families together. First Thessalonians four, verse 16 and 17, real quickly, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ, that's the family in heaven, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, that's the family on earth shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Now, there are people who do not believe that there will be a literal rapture. I don't know how they get around these verses. It says we will be caught up together in the air, in the clouds, to be with Jesus, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That doesn't mean you're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. What that means is wherever he goes from now on, you go. He goes back to heaven, you're going back to heaven. He comes back to earth, you're coming back to earth. Amen. Glory to God. So endeth the end time message embedded in this lesson today. All right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 16. I got to accelerate that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The word translated as strengthened comes from the Greek word kratios. It means ruling power. It's the word that we get our word democracy from. Democracy means self-rule. But the word translated as might comes from the Greek word dunamis it means inherent explosive power you put the two together and we see that paul was praying that god would grant the saints a self-rule that was based on the power of god available through his spirit in our inner man glory to god verse 17 that christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love If you want Jesus to feel at home in your heart, then live by faith. But don't forget, Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Here we see that God's desire for the saints is to comprehend the totality of his love for us in Christ Jesus. We also see that revelation from God is meant to be shared. It says we want to comprehend with all saints, right? The deeper things of God. Beware anytime anyone separates themselves from the body of Christ and declares some new mysterious revelation which only a few select can comprehend. Beware those kind of people. God wants all saints to understand this wisdom And have this revelation. Amen. Glory to God. 
But I, I left off the last part of verse 19. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, that's a loaded statement in the Bible. How many out there want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Woo! Did you know you can pray for your fellow saints that they be filled with all the fullness of God and God will answer? <laughs> God sets high goals for his children. He says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In the same way, the Spirit of God through Paul says it is God's desire that we be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. I'm a candidate for that. Glory to God. Verse 20. I'm going to warp three now. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I'm going to have to read it to you in the Amplified. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Wow. That's an amazing scripture. One that I have to meditate on all the time just to get my arms around. Because I got some pretty big dreams. And this scripture says God can take it to another level that you can't even imagine. According to the power that's already working on the inside of you. I don't know about you, that, that gets me excited. Verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world. And that word there is eon. It means time without end. Remember, we talked about this. People say there won't be time in heaven. There will be time in heaven. It'll just be time without end. And because there's so much time, it won't limit you the way that it limits you on planet Earth. Amen. Glory to God. But that's a whole nother teaching. And I can't go down that road right now. Hallelujah. God authored the plan of redemption. Jesus implemented the plan and the Holy Ghost revealed the plan to the church. He receives all the glory in the church now and forevermore. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let me wrap it up with a testimony. The prayers of Paul are powerful and Holy Ghost anointed. I can't think of any better way to pray for your fellow saint, especially if they're struggling in some areas of their walk than to pray the prayers of Paul. I want to tell you a story about when Trisha and I, we were transferred from Marine Corps Air Station, New River, just up the road here, and we moved from North Carolina to Naval Air Station, Corpus Christi, because they assigned me there as a fixed-wing instructor pilot at the Naval Air Training Command. And uh, we lived next door on base housing to another couple. Their names were Jeff and Cammy. Jeff was a Navy pilot who was also assigned at Corpus Christi to be an instructor pilot for the Naval Air Training Command. And so since we shared a common hallway between the two base housing units, we saw each other often, and we struck up a conversation, and we found out that they were believers, and they found out we were believers. After a few more conversations, we found out that they were fundamentalist Baptists, and we were Holy Ghosters. Amen. <laughs> 
So it wasn't too long before some friction developed between us because of the huge gulf between what they believed and what we believed. Finally, it got to the point where we just had to agree to disagree on certain issues. Well, I decided to start praying for Jeff and Cammie, the prayers of Paul. I zeroed in on Cammie because she was the linchpin. I knew that if God could turn her heart, he could turn Jeff's heart. So I started praying for Cammie. And listen, I don't have time to go through it right now, but what you need to do is you need to go through those prayers in chapter 1 and chapter 3 and personalize them, either pray them over yourself or insert somebody's name like I did. I prayed these prayers over Cammie. I said, Lord, give unto Cammie the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that she might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I prayed Cammie would receive the wisdom and revelation of God concerning the deeper things of God's spirit. And I did this for three weeks, three weeks solid with no evidence of any change whatsoever. And then one day I ran into her in the common hallway between our two units and we struck up a conversation. And uh, nothing spiritual came up. I deliberately avoided anything spiritual. And as I began to walk away, she said, Scott, I need to talk to you about something. I said, yeah. She said, you know, the things that you've been talking about. I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've been doing a lot of praying. And I'm beginning to wonder if there might be something to some of the things that you've been sharing with us. That God is able to do miracles. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I sensed an opening in the spirit. Because she, she had shared with us at length, her and her husband, that they had been married for eight years. They desperately wanted children, but were not able to conceive. The doctors had no answers. And they went year after year after year after year. It was a very painful thing in their life. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to seize this moment and I want you to ask them if you can pray for them that they would have a child. Now, that was a huge step with a couple who did not believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. But I sensed the opening of the Holy Spirit. I said, would you talk to Jeff and see if he would like Trisha and I to come over and pray over you guys that you guys would have a baby? We're going to believe God that you're going to have a baby. She said, I'll talk to Jeff. Well, a couple of nights later, we found ourselves at Jeff and Cammie's unit there, and we were praying for them that they would have a baby. Now, I deliberately steered clear of praying in tongues or doing anything that might offend them, okay? Because this was a ever such a slight crack in the wall between us. I didn't want to alienate them. What I did do, however, I said, would it be all right if Trish laid her hands on you and then I put my hand on Trish's hand so we can lay hands on you according to the Bible and we're going to believe God that you're going to have a baby. And it was a very simple prayer. I just put my hand on the back of Trish's hand who put her hand on her belly and I said, I command your womb to be fruitful in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's all I prayed withdrew my hand we chatted over coffee we talked for just a few minutes and then out the door we went 
About three or four days later, if I recall correctly, I was driving into the base at night one night. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost because y'all know me. If I'm by myself and I'm not listening to worship music, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in the car. Okay, so I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in the car. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me very clearly. He said, Jeff and Cammy have conceived. They will have a baby boy and they will name him David. I was like, whoa, word of knowledge was still kind of new to me back then. But I knew enough to go home. I wrote it down. I showed it to Trish. We talked about it and we didn't say a word to Jeff and Cammie. So let's fast forward nine months later. Jeff and Cammie gave birth to a bouncing baby boy and they named him Jeffrey David. To God be all the glory. Because I prayed the prayers of Paul over Cammy, the door was open for the power of God to move on their behalf. She believed just enough of it to allow us to pray for them. And they got pregnant and they had a baby boy. And I do not know to this day if they had more, but I knew that that was a miracle child. And I rejoiced in it. And I'm sharing it with you today because I want you to know there is power when you pray the prayers of Paul for your spouse, for yourself, for your friends, for your relatives, for your fellow saints. It will make a difference. Got somebody that just seems to be a perennial problem. They can't seem to get past a certain thing. Pray the prayers of Paul over them continuously until you see a change and then keep praying the prayers of Paul over them until they come completely through it. Would you do that? Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of today's teaching on the book of Ephesians. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.